Maybe I'm thinking of Shrek, and it is like a virgin. <laughs> Maybe. Do you know what I think? It. Hold on, hold on. Like, there's the Shrek Mega Mix at the end of Shrek. Hold on. Um, uh, Shrek. Uh, like <laughs> Didn't know how lost I was until I found you. Okay, no, it is. It's a Shrek. <laughs> Sadness and pain. Yeah, um, I forgot last time. Okay. And that's really annoying because it's only been two weeks. I forgot last time to say everyone should watch Stein's Gate. <laughs> so I'm saying it now. <laughs> everyone go watch Stein's Gate. Go and watch I failed it. at the one thing I said I was going to do. <laughs> I actually uh, rewatched Stein's Gate in the time that we talked about it. And now? And it was just as good. It was fantastic. I love it so much. I actually need to play the dating oh, sim. It's... I don't know if it's a dating sim. I think it is. A visual novel. But the the visual novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that you can have different romance paths in it. So yeah, you could see what happens if you date somebody who isn't the person the main character dates in the anime. Oh my god. Uh, <gasps> <laughs> Shock! I do not like this reality. That's a good thing about... Oh, well, no, it doesn't matter. Anyway, um... <laughs> Kabloof! Hello, hello. Um, this is, of course, as you all know by now, the Inverus Podcast. The Hooray! one and only! Um, so, tonight, we are going to be talking about movies. Uh, I have a joke movies. to start off this week. Wait, it's a joke you have a that joke? My, yeah, that my eldest son tells me all the time. Like, at least okay. once a week. Why did the cow cross the road? I don't know. To go to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> okay, I like it. I like it. It's, it's in theme. We're not off topic. We're talking about movies. No, that's good. That's um, good. <laughs> I really like that one. <laughs> <laughs> the drink of the week is gin this week. We are drinking Neroli gin. It is by gin. That boutique gin company. Um, and I've smelled this a lot because I, I opened it and poured it before we started recording. And I keep smelling it. I, I haven't, haven't tasted opened it, it yet. So. And it's very like perfumey. Like I know gin is perfumey, but this one's like, there's a specific perfume it smells like and I can't place my finger on which one. <laughs> So we'll see how this a, goes. Like, um, because I know it's not on the bottle, obviously, but like a list of like the botanicals and stuff you used to. Hmm. I'm on that the one page. Opened a lot easier than the tequila. <laughs> Did the tequila take a bit? Let me see. Yeah. Really, gin ingredients. Oh, that is very. They're very perfumey. It's got. Do you know like, what it tastes? Orangey it tastes stuff. Like, what it smells like. What's it smell um, like? It smells like fancy tonic. 
Oh, like, like you know when you put fancy tonic tree. in your gin, mm-hmm. um, it makes that smell. It smells like a pre-toniced like gin. Uh, it smells like a gin and tonic as opposed include to gin. jasmine, which is a very like floral-smelling tea. Mm. Uh, jasmine, orange blossom, so that is a flower. Fresh coriander and citrus. Yeah, it's kind of flowery, very perfume. Perfume, perfume. Um, I actually have tasting notes here from the okay. Master of Malt website where we bought this delicious gin. We are not sponsored by Master of Malt, but if Master of Malt wants to give us money to record podcasts, we're not going to say great. no. Either that or if that boutique gin company or Drinks by the Dram want to, want to you know, sponsor away. Yeah, I, I'm willing and able to take your um, money. I mean, <laughs> they take our money because we buy from them. So <laughs> okay. It's just convenient, to be honest. Right, um, okay, do you want to give us the tasting notes and then I'll okay. sip it and see if I agree? Okay, so tasting notes. Nose. So this is how it smells. I'm sniffing it. Uh, a huge floral opening is reminiscent of an expensive perfume with tuberose, jasmine and orange blossom before it becomes darker and develops waxy leather and a suggestion of clary sage. I'm not getting the leather part. The flowery part, I could yeah. imagine. I could imagine, like, being in, you know, the duty-free in the airport and that woman spraying you going, here, smell this! And yeah, yeah. this is what I smell. It is very perfumey. I know a lot of people don't like gin because it's perfumey. I love gin. I don't love all gin. I'll see if this is one I like. Um, so, palette, in a syrupy delivery, there's luscious orange sherbet, fresh coriander, and subtle juniper. Some candied licorice, a little incense smoke, and prickles of herbaceous warm spice from the backdrop. So, I'm going to actually taste this now. I'm going to taste it now as well. Oh, I got the licorice. Mm. Yeah. That, do you know what? That cleared out my sinuses, mm. if I'm honest finish that's very fresh and like... long the floral Ooh. notes of the nose persist among waning spices yeah yeah i got that yeah that's fairly accurate actually i quite like that i really like that um that's good there's a lot to it you know how some gins you just taste and you taste that gin and that's all you taste and you're like <laughs> aha gin yes yeah yeah like this is there's or... a lot going on there's a lot um, going i on. reckon I'm wondering if, like, by the time I get halfway through this, I'm like, I'm, I don't like this anymore. Or if I like it more. I don't know. It's going to go one or the other way, I think. The licorice in the finish, like, mm, you know, just as you go to swallow it, that's when you get the licorice taste, and it does taste very strongly of licorice. <laughs> like, it's weird. Mm. Um, Overall, constantly intriguing. There's more depth and darkness than the floral beginnings suggest. A welcome variety of flavors develop with time. So there you go. Uh, that is what we're drinking you know what? tonight. I'd say that's like accurate, but word salady. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but then but that's what you know, pretentious wine, uh, wine tasters, lol, drinks tasters, gin tasters, and all that connoisseurs. Somali. They are a bit word salady, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of expected. I quite like it so far. I like it. Yeah, yeah. If I get bored of it, I'm adding, like, juice to it or something. 
Okay. Let's go like the cow that crossed the road to the movies. All-time favourite film, go! That's not fair. <laughs> you did that to me last week. What is your favourite movie? Except you said... Um, I can't remember what it was. You said, oh, what was your first holiday? I was like, oh, crap, I don't know. Well, what's your... Like, yeah. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> for fairness, some people... that's expect that. That's not an unexpected question. But anyway... No, um, that should have been expected. Favourite yes, film? Of all time, bar none. I understand that that's a very unfair question. I don't have one. <laughs> like, I have so many favourite films. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a few of the films that are films I will keep going back to. Um, because I'm a bit like this with video games too. I have films that I watch when I'm cold and I'm tired and I'm sad. Something bad's happened. I'm just stressed. The familiar whatever. like half, yeah. like the ones that make you go, ah, yes, I love this film. Yeah, films that feel like a warm blanket. You know, it's like yeah just relax into this film that you know and love um i've got a handful of those uh the first one is the princess bride um Obviously. i think we mentioned that's before that that's a given like in our family everybody's seen the princess bride everybody knows the princess bride it's a wonderful film very highly quotable um yep. another one for me and this is like i think i mentioned it before i don't know but uh high school musical uh, that's very much a warm blanket film for me. That's like, I'm dying. I'm really ill. I just have to watch High School Musical. Yeah. Uh, I haven't, like, I, I mean, obviously I've seen High School Musical and I really like High School Musical. I think it's great. But I could probably count on one hand. This is per film, not just like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all of them. But per film, I could count on one hand the amount of times I've seen them. Oh, I love them. So um, I've probably seen the first one four times and... Uh, two, three, and three, I think, once. <laughs> like, as I said, I mentioned this before because I was trying to fit in with, like, a really gothy, like, slash emo crowd in school and they didn't like it and it was just terrible because I love that film so much. Like, unapologetically, unironically, it's just my favourite film. One of them. I've, I've a long list. Um, trying to think what else because I know there's more than that. Um, oh yeah, there's you know countless. You you can't. There's tons and tons of films that are like that for me. Um, the Last Unicorn's another one. I love that film too. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen The Last Unicorn, have you? I don't think you? I have. Well, next time you're here in the long and distant future, when the vaccine has been rolled out and everyone's safe, uh, you should come over and we'll watch The Last Unicorn because that film. Um, no, is I have not weird. seen this film. Oh, it's fantastic. I love it so much. It's got Christopher Lee in it. No um, way. Yeah. That um, must be good. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, what else? What else? What else? The Street Fighter movie. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's just brilliant. Like The I one would... with Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> I think, I, again, this is all stuff I've probably mentioned, but Raul Julia. Oh, like, that man could act. We were robbed of him. Um, and... He makes that film what it is. Like, if Raul mm. Julia didn't play M. Bison in that film, that film wouldn't be watchable for me at all. <laughs> it's just Raul Julia's in it, and it's great. I don't care about Jean-Claude Van Damme or Kaylee Minogue. Um, just yeah. Raul Julia. 
That's um, fair. Oh yeah. Um, I. What about you? See, right. I obviously I don't have a favorite film of all time. That's just not fair on all the other films in the world. But recently, I've just been telling people that it's Monsters Inc. So they'll leave me alone. <laughs> and here's why: Monsters Inc. is a good movie. Monsters Inc. has everything that you want in a film. It has um, great characters, uh, good character development, um, a nice and simple, easy to follow plot, whilst also being like, "Oh, this is quite quite interesting," and you know, the the bad guys actually have depth to them, um, and. You know, Mike Wazowski. <laughs> it's got great cast, uh, and the animation quality is great. It still holds up, even though it's like four billion years old now. And I think that's—I I don't know. I think that there's something about Pixar, though, isn't there? Oh yeah, they're yeah. Just, their animation from quality the word in general. Go, like I remember going to see Toy Story in the cinema in 1996 when it mm-hmm. came out. Um, I was about seven, uh, and my brother. My second youngest brother, he was about two. Um, and I think it was the first time he'd ever been to the cinema and he was really upset. Uh, he had like really bad eczema. And see when you're like a toddler and you can't communicate properly. Like oh, uh, yeah. he also couldn't speak clearly. Uh, he actually went to speech therapy because his speech was really like difficult for everyone outside of the family to understand. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, he, he had a really rough time of it. Um, so... I always remember him being like really grumpy all the time as a little kid. But you know, with time I'm like, well, that makes sense. I have my own kids and if one of them had the same issues he had, I would get it. But we were in the cinema and he was crying and screaming and I think my mum was just like, Oh god, this is this is a nightmare. This was a mistake. But see, as soon as Toy Story started and the clouds on the, the bedroom wall, he just stopped and he just sat and rapt attention for the entire time that it was on um because you're right i think there is something about pixar they know what they're doing um it's it's almost like um and like especially in like when they they started you know and then the toy story in the like mid late 90s um going on they were never seemed to be held back by the technology of the time no they hold up they hold up Uh, they do uh, and it's one of the few things where um, computer animation actually holds up from that time period. Mm. Um, I mean, there's a bit, it looks from... a bit like jank. See, when you see um, Andy, like the actual humans oh, yeah. and Sid, they look a bit jank. But the toys, like, and the actual animation throughout is fine. Like, you don't even pay attention to the fact that they look a bit weird because the film is so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um in that in that line of thinking, um, I actually think my favorite Pixar film is Bugs Life because I just love oh, that I film. Seen that in years, I do you know love what Bugs, Bugs Life, Life for me makes me think of your house. It um, might be because we were obsessed with the um, there was a PlayStation One game of a Bugs Life <laughs> that was actually a lot yes. of fun, and my mother was obsessed with it. Like, uh huh. You know, I don't think a lot of kids have this memory of their mum sitting playing the PS1 constantly, but my mum had, like, she was obsessed with Tomb Raider, she loved A Bug's Life, there was a few yeah. other games. My my mum's, like, a bit of a gamer, not so much now, she doesn't have time these days. Um, but uh, when we were kids, yeah, she she used to, to have a shot on the, the PlayStation, and we had this A Bug's Life uh, PlayStation 1 movie tie-in game that was actually a bunch of fun. But um, no, A Bug's Life is a great film. 
Uh, Good. Menacing bad guy. Um, you know, plucky hero. I love the circus bugs. They're the best. Um, oh, they're so good. And I'm sad they never oh. got a sequel. I'm really sad. I'm not sure what they would have done don't with know. a sequel. I don't know. But um, I mean, I... they've spun Toy Story out for four films now. Like I have, I haven't seen the fourth one, so I don't actually. Um, I I don't have an opinion of that yet. I haven't seen Toy but, Story um, before I either. I think Bugs Life has such a good self-contained story. That... Yeah, and the character arcs there, you know. It's it's just a good film. But yeah, okay, Disney films then. What about Disney films? Do you have a favourite Disney film or is that too much of a a broad question? Like, Oh, that is... (sighs) Okay, do you know what? Do you know what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Say it. First time right here, right now. Oh my my God. My favourite Disney film, I think... Is Moana. Oh, Moana. Oh, God. See the ending of that film? I cried like it's a so baby. Good. And I I think before that, I think I would have sworn that I would never pick like a modern Disney film. And here's my reasoning. I think it's the... it's We've hit that sort of time where we're, we're not stuck with technology limitations as much at all. The water looks like... If there weren't cartoon people on the screen, there are some scenes in that that, like, if you just, like, took a screenshot of it and sent it to me and said that was a place, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, and hey, hey, the chicken. I, think... I mean, I can't... <laughs> he's I can't, so good. Like, just, he's just perfect. What I love about it is they do this weird bait and switch where they're like, okay, here's the companion characters and there's... The, is it a pig? I don't know. I can't remember. But there's her two little animal dudes... And the one that goes with her is the chicken. And you're like, really? That is the one they went with? That's great. I loved it. Um, but I think the thing for the ending that gets me, and this is a spoiler, just skip like a couple minutes maybe. <laughs> but um, Nobody's not end, seen Moana. What are you talking about? There are people who've not seen Moana. Oh my God. Um, yeah, those people are dumb. Go and watch it. Come on. Um, but when she's talking Actually, to... watch Steinsgate, then watch Moana. Yeah. Uh, when she's talking to the... I can't remember the name of the thing, but, you know, the island where they have to go and return the heart. Yes. Is it um, Tafiti? Is that what it's called? Tafiti, I think. Tafiti? Um, because I keep thinking it's Tahiti, but it's not Tahiti. And she... She talks to... She talks to her, and it's... Um, I can't remember it word for word, but it's the part where she said... Like, that doesn't define you. All the stuff that you've been through. And it's like, as an adult watching that, and you're like, that's actually, like, really deep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know. Um, but it just hits me right in the feels. It's that, like, it's it's okay. Like, if you've been through trauma or, or any of that shit, um, it doesn't define you. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's all right to live with that. It's all right to have that. Um. And I know, again, it's a kid's cartoon. Like, why are you adding all this hidden meaning to it? But it's there, and I think it's intentional. And, you know, having been through some crap in my life, yeah, you know, Moana is a great film, fantastic. and you should watch it. To the point, right? The messaging my is just wonderful. My mother hates animated anything. 
She hates oh, animated man. films. She doesn't well, she really, doesn't, though. She says she does. She, she just thinks she no, does. She says she does. Um, there's only a few things that like we've watched as a family that was animated that she actually like visibly enjoyed. One mm. was um, Whisper of the Heart. That film's great. Oh, um, oh my which god! Which actually, yeah, no, it's so good, actually, as well. Uh, and the other one was Moana, and that's how good Moana is. Good Even film. my mother likes it. Even your mother admits to liking it, yeah. Um, no, I just, I love Moana. See, my favourite, I kind of split Disney into two. I'm like, there's old Disney, old Disney films and, new and there's Disney new films. Disney yeah, films. Yeah. Technically speaking, technically speaking, there's actually like a bunch of different eras of Disney. Like, um, when, for example, when Milo, uh, Milo, why am I talking about that? I almost said My Little Pony and that has nothing to do with Disney and it's also not what I was going to talk about. I don't know why that came out. I'm blaming you and your Left for Dead mods, You leave Callum. my Left for Dead mods alone. Uh, no. Oh. Uh, no, so... Uh, the Little Mermaid, when that came out... I'm giving you a minute. I'm, I'm good now. Um, when that came out, um, Disney was in a bit of a, a down mm. trend. You know, it wasn't yeah. doing so well. Um, but when The Little Mermaid came out, that changed everything. And that began, like, you know, the 90s of Disney, where it was, like, The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, um, The Lion yeah, King, the, all of the those, like, quote-unquote classics. Like, the, the films of our yes. childhood. Yeah, the films of our childhood. Uh, and, and, like, Mulan, and then Tarzan came out and ruined it all. Um, and I have nothing against Phil Collins, but that was a bad choice, Disney. <laughs> um... Because the thing was, people go at that point were going to see Disney films for the the seamless musical transition from word into yeah. song, the way it is on stage, except portrayed on the big screen, animated format, you know. And so, yeah, as I was saying, there's lots of different eras of Disney. But for me, I'm like, well, there's the point in time where they did normal 2D animation cartoons. And then there's the point in time after Pixar, where everything that was coming out was not yeah. 2D animated. Like, the, the weird um, exception, obviously, to that time period is uh, the Princess and the Frog. Uh-huh. Um, because that was randomly 2D. Princess and the Frog also has some of the best it Disney music ever. It's got to be... Uh, it's so underrated. Probably my favourite Disney soundtrack Um I know we talked mm. about this in the music thing, um, and I was I was kind of struggling to decide what my like my favorite Disney soundtrack is a amalgamation of them all, or like select things. But if I had to pick one, I think Princess and the Frog would um, would take it. That oh, New Orleansy so like so jazzy oh oh so good. Mm. Sorry, continue. <laughs> I think Callum likes it, guys. No, um, so if I was to pick a favorite from what i consider old disney and what i consider new disney new disney is rapunzel hands down rapunzel was better than frozen rapunzel's just a good film um tangled i just love yeah. rapunzel yeah i don't know why i, I keep calling I was it gonna rapunzel. Say, it's called tangled rapunzel, i don't think Not i've rapunzel. seen it but like tangled is definitely my favorite after more like but yeah tangled tangled is good tangled and moana right up there yeah um old disney like my siblings will kill me for saying this because for them, 
they just immediately associate me with the little mermaid because when i was a little kid like preschool i watched that like once a week at least and then i would rewind it and put it back and watch it again i was obsessed with the little mermaid when i was a kid obsessed with it um and i actually think like obviously like i spoke about when i discovered that i could actually sing um and it wasn't bad But, you know, prior to that, when I was a little kid, the thing that got me interested in singing in the first place was The Little Mermaid because the whole point in The Little Mermaid was her singing voice, you know? Yes. Um, but I would say that that isn't my favourite <laughs> of the Disney films. Um, I love Moana. I love... I can't even talk. Oh, my God. That didn't I you love hard. Mulan. Oh, aye, aye. Two sips in. I love Mulan. I think taking um, the Disney part out of it, I think Mulan's just a fantastic film in general, and I would rate it as like a, a really good film. There's a lot of problems with Mulan. Um, but yes. There are a lot of problems with Mulan. I accept that. But it's really good. So it's really difficult for me to choose because the thing with Mulan was that Mulan was the first one that wasn't about, I'm going to be a princess, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it came out, I think, 1998 90, or 1999, something like that. Um, but I was starting to get to an age where I realized that I wasn't such a girly girl. I didn't really care too much about princesses and castles and meeting the handsome prince and all of that nonsense. And it was this film that came out and made me go, oh, being like strong and tough and all of that is perfectly fine, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. It's okay to go against the grain and not be what people expect. Um, and I know that's like a silly thing and a really sort of ham-fisted, cheesy message. But when I was like eight or nine, that was important to me, you know? Yeah. Um, um, I also, I think you, you, see, you see a lot of people debating things like this, like, oh, the kids don't actually like intake like these messages that get put across to them like stop complaining about you know disney disney portraying princesses as princesses and knights as manly knights um but it does like it does make a difference you do like absorb these things even though like subconsciously i guess like you know you do take your lessons from things that aren't your parents well the thing is right you get to a certain age and you've realised that there's more out there than just your family. Mm-hmm. You, and you realise that other families don't work the same way as you and that there are other people in the world. And there's this sort of thing where you don't know what the world expects of you outside of your family. You know what your parents expect of you and your siblings expect of you and your aunties and uncles and all of that. But obviously, like, when you you start school... Like, I didn't like school at all. I thought school was garbage. Um... <laughs> But I think you look for what the world expects and what the world thinks, as you're saying, subconsciously or consciously. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't show your kids something if you think that that message is bad. I mean, a lot of parents mm-hmm. would or wouldn't, whatever. I actually think it's important to show kids a great variety of different things. I think so too. Um, um, as as a non-parent, I feel like I'm an expert on this subject. <laughs> but um, I, I genuinely feel like it's... The content that you expose y- your, your kid to is less important than 
explaining the content and like you know or, or like allowing them to be able to rationalize what they see i mean there are extremes obviously you know going and watching like a, a bloody like um horror film at the age of three is probably not the best thing for your child but you know ex- explaining like you know the difference between reality and you know fantasy and oh yeah 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 i think every every parent knows their own kid right like mm-hmm. for example when it comes to like spooky scary stuff i know what will scare my eldest son and what won't you know and you get to know that over time right he's not He's not particularly scared of things that would scare traditional kids, if you know what I mean. Like, you may go, oh, that's really scary for a kid of that age. Um, But I know what will give him nightmares and what he can't handle and what he can. Um, And it is just a case of knowing your own child and and knowing what is good and bad to expose them to. Um, Like, as I said, we, we try to get Luke to watch a variety of things. Um... We show he's seen all of Studio Ghibli stuff. He's seen all of that, um, and again, I think that those films have excellent messaging. And I actually think, for the most part, Studio Ghibli is better than Disney. I would say it is. Just um, hands I absolutely, down. I absolutely hate it when you see in the media and people are like, "Oh, it's like Disney of Japan," and you're no. like, "I understand the comparison from the perspective that Disney is this big powerhouse animation studio that produces." Yeah, you know, high, anime, high quality animation, anime. <laughs> uh, high quality, um, you know, highly produced animation, um, and I get it from that perspective. But Ghibli has a totally different point and perspective yeah. on it. Disney's out oh, to yes. make money. Let's face Let's it. Come on, <laughs> they want your hard earned cash, and it's not that Ghibli don't want your money. It's more that the messages. And the, you know, the company profile and all of that very much gears towards like, oh, take care of the environment. Uh-huh. And, and they back it up. Um, Like they don't have, oh, Ghibli land everywhere. Like there's Disneyland in pretty much every continent, mm-hmm. you know. Um, And yeah, like Ghibli has like its little like museum the ghibli museum that you can go to and you're not allowed to take pictures in it and it's really not on the scale of let's have giant rides and you know and i'm not saying disneyland is bad by any means i just think that the world that we live in just now a lot of the messages that are portrayed in ghibli films are far more important to the world at large because the other thing is that a lot of disney films a lot of adults can't stand because their messaging is very cheesy and on the yes. nose. And we've discussed, like, that's not a terrible bad thing. No, no. But I think Ghibli is far more palatable <laughs> for a wider audience. Definitely. Um, um, it's... I think because um, Ghibli films are... I don't want to say less afraid, but they're, they're, they're more willing to actually just go into, like, nitty-gritty, like, deep concepts but have it in a package that is enjoyable for a five-year-old to a 500-year-old, you know? I wouldn't say all the films are suitable for kids. Oh, no, no, no. Like, for example, I don't think Grave of the Fireflies is technically a Ghibli film. I think that came out before Ghibli was formed as a studio, but it is by Mm -hmm. uh, Miyazaki. And um, it's not suitable for kids. 
I actually would say that that film is Anyone. not suitable for um, a lot of adults. It's not suitable for me. It's a horrible um, film. Well, Princess Mononoke is a good seen example. I have I refuse to um, watch it. In that regard. Oh, like, yeah, I wouldn't because, look that. You know, that's suitable for everybody should go see it. But, you know, I wouldn't show a five-year-old it because it is, you know, overly violent and, you know, has some imagery that's kind of scary and... Uh... And themes that, like, I'm not saying... Because the thing is with kids... Kids will understand most things that you explain to them. Um, like, I absolutely hate this argument. You don't see it so much these days, thankfully, but there are a lot of people out there who say things like, oh, how am I supposed to explain gay marriage to my children? You just explain it. And they understand. Yeah, I suppose... You know, it's not Things difficult. like that Kids is... get it, right? <laughs> yeah, kids understand it because it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. It's the adults that need these things explained to them. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because they've grown up in... But there are... With that being a taboo. And... Yeah, yeah. And it's not a taboo for our generation at all, which I think is great. But um, the, the point is... There are certain things that, certain themes that you don't want to expose kids to because you don't want them like having anxiety over things that they can't mm -hmm. control, um, and you want them to enjoy their childhood. You know, I don't want to go. Well, by the way, look, the planet is completely dying. He gets that environmentalism is important, you know, but it's not something that we bring up every single day. I don't go, hey, look, guess what? Australia's on fire, you know? Um, because I want him to have a good childhood where he's not constantly anxious about mm -hmm. the state of the world. Um and obviously like violence and sex and stuff like that. You don't you don't want your kids exposed to too much of that stuff. Because that's not no. healthy. Um moving on from kids' films. Oh. <laughs> I was I was looking I looked at my notes. Okay. Yeah. I took notes because there there are some there are some films out there that people need to either see or definitely not see. Um, to see then, okay, what would you? What recommend I recommend to people? people? Okay, this is a bit of a weird one. It's not weird. It's not a weird film at all. But it's one that like most people I talk to haven't seen. And it's without a clue. I okay, haven't heard so of that. It's um a Sherlock Holmes movie starring mm -hmm. Michael Caine. Ooh. Um, a young Michael Caine. Uh, hold on, let me double check my facts for a second. Nineteen ninety, uh, nineteen eighty-eight. It's basically <laughs> um like a a Sherlock Holmes farcical um comedy essentially, where um, okay, Sherlock Holmes is a hired actor by Watson, who is this you know really intelligent um well essentially detective he he solves all the cases and then writes about them um but nobody wants to read about dr john watson they want to read about sherlock holmes so he hired this guy called sherlock um, to to play sherlock holmes and it's honestly <laughs> one of the funniest films on earth it's michael caine ben kingsley is watson it's, that sounds amazing, Callum. Like that's such it's a good such concept. Such a good film, and literally, I think everyone outside of my family, um, like uh, close family that I've spoken to, hasn't seen it. And I feel like it's one of those hidden gems that people need to see. 
it's just mm. it's really Sounds good like so i would it. highly recommend that i'm trying to think of what i would recommend the only thing that's popping into my head is om shanty om. yeah <laughs> i mean it's really good um it is really good it's crazy it's, it's a weird utterly film. nuts fantastic um film. i think we spoke about it on... you never you don't expect what's happening we did we did but i recommend yeah. that but uh, um... definitely you should you should definitely go out and watch that okay can we talk can we talk okay, about okay. labyrinth yes of course thank you <laughs> that film is so so good that's one of my warm that's one blanket of my warm films. blanket films so i put the princess bride and labyrinth in the same little box and here's why um i watched the princess bride and labyrinth on the same day at gran's house because she has them both that's random that's that's it that's the only reason i connect those films and in my mind those films are the same genre of film even though they are not <laughs> not though it's so weird and it's like and i was trying to think about it um uh, like a few years ago i was trying to think like what like um do they have the same director no have they got the same actors no i can't i can't work out why i think these films are connected and the only connect thing that connects them is that they were both at grand's house and i watched them for the first time on the same day that's so weird um I watched Labyrinth when I was a kid and it's one of those ones that I think I forgot about until I was a teenager. But I remembered the imagery. Mm. Because as I said, when I was little, before I really had any concept of, you know, musical artists, I had an obsession with David Bowie because of that stupid book I picked up in the library. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I... I had seen pictures of that film in this book and then I watched the film when I was really small. I don't remember being afraid of it. A lot of people that like, I've spoken to about Labyrinth uh, talk about being really scared the first time they saw it. That's really weird. Um, Yeah, I think it's just there's some unsettling imagery to it. Mm. It's weird. It's strange. It's like uh, watching The Dark Crystal for the first time, I guess. Yeah. I suppose it has. Although that... I would say the Dark Crystal is much, much darker and stranger. Oh yeah, than, um, like the Dark Crystal gave me nightmares, Labyrinth. Um, but Labyrinth didn't at all. Um, I know. Although it does have that sort of like spacey, dreamy. Um, yeah, everything's slightly um, off for sure. And the goblins are weird looking. Mm. Um, and Hoggle's a strange guy. And um, but I think like I showed that to look. Um, my partner went away for work. He was like miles away in Manchester uh, for a couple of nights because he had like a work placement to do. Uh, so it was just me and my eldest son alone uh, in the house because this was before I had the baby. Um, this was a couple of years ago and I was like, oh, have you seen this before? He's like, no. And I was like, well, we'll stick it on. And we watched Labyrinth and he loved it. Loved every second to the point where the next night he was like, oh, can we watch that again? <laughs> um, it made me so happy. Um, do you know what we should talk about? Mm. Star Wars. I'm uh right. Okay, we have to. I know we have. We can't to. talk about movies. Um, okay. So, arguably, Empire Strikes Back is one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah, sure. It's great. I I love the Empire Strikes it's Back. It's a fantastic film. It's one of the few films that, like, out of a trilogy that you could just watch on its own and be like, "Yep, that was a great film." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm very, very fortunate because I hadn't seen the Star Wars films. I think what age was I? I would have been about seven, seven or eight, I think. Uh, and I hadn't seen them before. Uh, but yeah, because it was in the run up to the prequels coming out. Okay, it was in the run up like to the Phantom Menace. Ninety nine, right, and two thousand was that? Ninety eight, I think, for Phantom Menace. But um. Anyway, uh, that no, doesn't matter. Yeah, regardless. <laughs> 99. But, yeah. 99, okay. But um, so in the run-up to that, there were there was a re-release in the cinema of the original trilogy. Okay. Um, And it wasn't in every cinema, and not every, not every cinema was showing all three. I don't know why. Um, But essentially, my parents took us to see all three of the original trilogy Star Wars films in the cinema. Uh, and I think the first one we went to see was in the Kilburn Cinema in Paisley, but that doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Um, I don't remember where the, the Return of the Jedi... That's what it's called, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Too many, like, Return of, Revenge of, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so... We went to see The Empire Strikes Back in another cinema that's closed now, uh, the Odeon in mm. Glasgow. The building for that is still there um, with the bit that juts out. I don't know if you know what I mean, I, but I it's still there. Yeah, I'll show you next time we're in Glasgow. Um, and yeah, we went to see Empire Strikes Back. The reason that's very memorable is because my brother, who has the terrible eczema, also has really bad allergies. <laughs> And on the way to the cinema, he went into anaphylactic shock. Oh, no. <laughs> in the car. What? And my mum, my mum had to go to hospital. So we stopped the car on the way to Glasgow. And I remember the exact road we were on. Um, and I don't know if she, like, she must have called an ambulance or something. Or got a taxi. I don't know. But um, she went away to the hospital with Matthew, and the rest of us went to the cinema. <laughs> I mean, that's horrible because, the, you know, it's horrible, but wow, it's brilliant. He survived. He's fine. He's fine. He didn't get to see The Empire Strikes Back, but as I said, we had never seen these films. Mm-hmm. My older brothers might have, but I hadn't. Certainly, certainly not. So this was my first, first ever time seeing the Star Wars films, and, the, and it was in the cinema, and it was great, right? My parents never, ever told me about Darth Vader. So oh. I got to experience that twist. That's brilliant. As like a seven or eight year old child. That's For fantastic. the first time in the cinema. Not knowing beforehand. And it's such a weird thing because like. My eldest knew. And it wasn't we told him. It's just it's such a pervasive it's thing. common like, knowledge. Everybody knows that. And it, like kids in school would tell him. People in nursery. Because everybody knows. You know. It's just one of those things. Um, but I didn't know. And I went to see it in the cinema and I got to experience that firsthand. And I remember just being like, what? What? (laughs) Like, um, and I think that's why I love Star Wars so much. (laughs) Because see if you don't, see if you don't know, that twist is just perfection. Oh, that's fantastic. I am so jealous. But yeah, like, if I can say one thing that my parents did for us as kids <laughs> that I remember, that's it. 
Um, not knowing about about Darth Vader. I am going to steal that as a line. parenting tactic. Do it, do it. Because that's fantastic. So that's a great it. idea. So it made me so happy. So here's my question to you. Okay. Um, because we can't talk about Star Wars without talking about the prequels, obviously. Uh huh. What is your honest opinion of the prequels? Right. So, I watched The Phantom Menace about three or four times when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, I loved that film. I'm the same. I loved... Actually, I loved all of them as they came out. I was I, I was of the perfect of age, though. Because um, I was... I loved The Phantom Menace. I thought Darth Maul was the coolest ever. I don't remember being bored. But when I watched The Phantom Menace back... Because I actually watched the, the prequels last year, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, with my eldest, again, because he hadn't seen them. Um, he'd seen the originals, hadn't seen the prequels... And I think he's seen the first two of the new trilogy. So he's but seen anyway. as much Star Wars as I have, because I haven't seen the, the, the new one. Same. Um, <laughs> but he hadn't, he hadn't seen the prequels. And we were like... And Stuart hadn't actually seen Revenge of the Sith, I don't think. Um, so we are like, okay, we'll watch the prequels. And uh, The Phantom Menace, as an adult, is the most boring film I have ever watched. I felt like I was watching it for five hours mm-hmm. it just goes on it just goes on and on and i was like why is it because luke loved it and i was like why is it how have they managed to make a film that is really cool and exciting for little kids but boring as all heck for adults like i i, I nearly had to switch off and leave yeah and george R. Binks is insufferable but my oh. god kids love him <laughs> It's insane. Yeah. The best part, like I I have very fond memories of The Phantom Menace because obviously, first of all, again, arguably because Darth Vader exists, but Darth Maul is the coolest bad guy oh, yeah. on the planet. He doesn't get enough screen time though. He's barely in the thing. He has what? Sorry. F- you have a 15 minute fight at the end? It's garbage. Like, the best part of the film is the 15 minutes where Darth Maul and everyone's fighting. That's it. That's the it's best so part bad. of your movie. It's... But it worked. I tell you what, though. Uh, Attack of the Clones. Awful film. So bad. I don't remember it. Um, I it's... need to go back and rewatch the it's people. So I have boring. no memory of it. Um, and, and it contains that awful romance scene that's cringy. I think that's the thing, though. The Phantom Menace, right? You watch it, and as an adult, you're like, Padme and Anakin are real creepy, really weird. Oh, were you an angel? Oh, I don't know. It's garbage. So they have this like little 10-year-old kid flirting with like late teens, early 20s Padme? I don't know what age Padme is, but bleh. Um, And then yeah. when you get to uh, Attack of the Clones, Anakin is this arrogant boring loser guy who moans all the time and goes on about how great he is and apparently Padme's like oh he's so hot uh I, but there's no build up to it it doesn't it's nope, like the it's literally literally I met like, you when you were 10 but we can't be together Anakin oh like but what oh my how you've grown, Anakin. Mm, it's like, no. Oh, hello there. And this isn't like me insulting Hayden Christensen at all, because he's not a bad-looking guy. 
No, he's all right. But like, right, right. It, but the writing, like, it makes no sense. The and writing is garbage. Natalie Portman's a scene, good actress. I was curling oh, my toes no. uh, watching uh, that. Like, I hate sand. <laughs> it's coarse and rough and it gets everywhere. Not like you. Ugh. Shut up, Anakin. I just want to slap him. I hate him so much. He's, just, he's garbage. He's literal garbage. But like, as you say, you know, right? Natalie Portman's, she's a good actor. Mm-hmm. She, she is. Ewan McGregor is a good actor. Um, Like, I, I mean, Liam Neeson wasn't in the second one, but Liam Neeson's, a, you know. He's a good actor. He's a great actor. He's a really good actor. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson's in the film and that doesn't Samuel L. bloody Jackson's save it. Samuel great actor. Um, Christopher Lee. Palpatine guy, he's great. Christopher, Christopher Lee. Lee. Phenomenal actor. Doesn't save the there film. There is no, there is no line in any of those films that you go, okay, that's all right. It's garbage. Everything's garbage. Yeah. Attack of the Clones The garbage. writing is atrocious. There is only so much a great actor can give you. But, but, and this is, this is the thing, right? Revenge of the Sith is a great oh, film. Oh, here we go. It's so much fun, right? It's not a good film, objectively speaking, though. But so much fun. Palpatine's great. I think that's the thing. Like they put, <laughs> they put more Palpatine in the, the uh, Revenge of the Sith, and it's like, yeah. Oh, exquisite! Do you so know many what? good it's... lines. It still makes no sense, and the writing is terrible. It's... But that actor, what is the, what is the name of the guy that plays Palpatine? Oh, I can't remember. It's really annoying because I know. Palpatine. Palpatine. Actor. Uh, Ian, what's his face? Ian McDermott. Ian McDermott, yeah. He sells that. It's like, you know what I was saying earlier about Raul Julia and the, star, uh, the Street Fighter. I almost said Star Trek movies. My brain today, guys. I mean, it's you know we're we're a little late today as well. Yeah, like, we're late. We started recording quite late. I also and, have a baby, yeah. but I don't have that excuse. <laughs> but um, no. So, um, what I was saying about Raul Julia and the Street Fighter films, he makes that film. Ian McDermott makes makes Revenge of the Sith. And I enjoy I... it when I watch it because Palpatine is so good and so quotable. Like, do it! So good. So good. My, 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 th- do you know what? Like, the politics side of the prequels, you know, episode one and two are just, they're garbage. But I reckon, and I think this falls in, it's Star Wars, we have to have, like, a big reveal twist thing. Um... If if we knew from the get go, like well, obviously we knew, but like if like on screen we knew from the get go that Palpatine was Darth Sidious, and it was the the politics side was actually following that storyline of him manipulating everything. The politics side would have been actually interesting. I actually and a wish lot of they the... focused on him for the whole trilogy. <laughs> Here is okay. Um, I've rewritten the trilogy many times, but here is my so far favorite version of the trilogy. The main characters are Obi-Wan and Palpatine. And you basically just have this back and forth of how 
Obi-Wan, um, from his point of view, fails Anakin as a master and lets him slip to the dark side. That is his arc for the three films. Yeah. And then you have and, and, Palpatine's side of it, where he's manipulating and like basically creating the foundations for his empire on the political side. The thing is, though, see if you'd done it that way, and you had Obi-Wan be the focus of the film instead of Anakin. His emotional journey, because he he views Anakin almost like his own child. Like... Mm-hmm. Like a brother, he says in the film. But like he has that familial connection to to Anakin, right? Like it could have just been like you and McGregor acting this like absolutely slowly emotionally destroyed Obi Wan, like discovering that like he's secretly gone and married someone when he's supposed to be a Jedi, and oh my god, like how am I gonna deal with this? And I just think, like, viewing it from that perspective just would have been so much more emotionally punchy. I don't get, like... Yes. Because see the bit in Revenge of the Sith where... <laughs> and this is, this is like, actually a genuine problem I have with those films because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. So, like, Padme is, like, super heavy pregnant with these twins. Twins. I could barely walk when I was heavily pregnant with one baby. Never mind two, right? And she comes running out of that ship. No, no, no. She should have done the pregnancy waddle. That's what I think. Um, But anyway, and she'd have been furious. She would have just been like, <laughs> you're duh, you're ruining my life, whatever it says. Oh, you're breaking my heart, Annie. That's what she says. You're breaking my heart, right? You're going down a path I cannot follow. That's not... I remember that bit. Yeah, that's not what a pregnant lady who's like nine months pregnant with twins would do. She'd be like kicking him and punching him and like unintelligible screaming. The you know pregnancy strength, or she'd just lift up the starship and throw it at him, bash him over the head. Well, I think that's the thing. I don't think you're getting any dinner after this, young man. (laughs) Yeah, that's what she should have said. More like fuck you, you asshole. You bastard throwing her shoe at him. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but that's the thing. Like, pregnancy rage is a real thing, right? Um, And it's not that, you know, Natalie Portman's a bad actress because she's great, but the writing, so bad. But as I said, it just would have been far more emotionally punchy if if Obi-Wan had... If you had focused on his emotional turmoil Mm -hmm. watching Anakin slip away... Um, That's a fantastic story. It just is. It yeah. writes itself. But that's because the then, thing. Like, we I don't care knew. if you add in like your comedy filler. Like, do you know mm-hmm. what? You can keep Jar Jar Binks. Go for it. I don't care because I've got such a really cool storyline. And then, oh, do you know what? Yeah, throw in your General Grievous as well. Why not? Like, keep him. That's fine. It's fine. And, yeah, have your Christopher Lee cameo. That's good. Too. I just think that's like, fine. We already knew that. Luke Skywalker's dad was Anakin, right? Already knew mm-hmm. that. So that was never going to be a big deal for people. It's the story of how Anakin became Darth Vader, right? But we already knew that. Why not just focus on the characters? Because the thing is, right? Obi-Wan, he's in uh, A New Hope. And, like, you still don't know tons about him. If you just watch the films and you don't partake in any of the other outside media like the books 
uh, which Disney trashed and threw in the bin. Mm-hmm. I wish they hadn't. But um, you don't really know that much about Obi-Wan. And yeah, sure, you didn't know that much about Anakin, but oh, he's uh, Jedi Jesus, apparently, but not really. That isn't that interesting. I want to watch it. I don't want to watch like a 10 year old fall in love with some way older lady and then meet up with her like a few years later and be like, oh, ha ha, let's get married. No, I don't want to see that. I want to see no. like real raw, sad emotions. <laughs> I love sad stuff. <laughs> but again, I suppose I think um, the real, at the end of the day, as kids, like I really loved the prequels. And Same. it seems to be Up like uh, I work with kids and all last... of them that see the prequels, they talk about like their favorite film being Revenge of the Sith. And you're like, OK, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, uh-huh. Just wait till you're wait till you're like 15. <sighs> trust me. The problem was like but, when, um, when I was a what, teenager, what, I don't know what it is, but it works. I, when I was a teenager, I watched that's when the last two came out. I think I was like 14, 13, 14, 15, maybe. I don't know. But I know I was a bit older when I seen Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, and I remember hating them both. I seen them both in the cinema, and I hated both of them. Um, but I remember loving Phantom Menace. But that's just because the Phantom Menace, as I said, nineteen eighty nine. I was ten, you know. Um, I wasn't quite at the point where it was going to be boring and garbage. <laughs> um, moving on from Star Wars. I don't think. Ah, yes. I feel like we need like an entire, entire episode, episode dedicated to Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, to unpack. Um, yes. Okay. To okay. Let's segue away from Star Wars. Natalie Portman's a great actress, and Black Swan is proof. Of I this. haven't seen Black Swan. <gasps> no, genuinely, I've seen the wrestler. Oh, it's so I've good. seen the wrestler. I don't know if you've seen that. Mm. Same director. I haven't seen the wrestler. <laughs> oh, thing is, the wrestler was so like my partner and I. We always say our anniversary is a certain date, but that's the day we met, right? And we kind of got together, but we were kind of like, you know, seeing each other, not seeing each other. Uh, uh, uh. It's the same with me and Shannon. We have yeah, like yeah, our yeah. Like, thingy but, date, but it's just an arbitrary date. But yeah, carry on. The first time that we went out together on a date date, I mean, we'd been on dates, right? But the first date that we went on together after it was like, properly cemented that we were going to be a couple and we were going to really make a go of it because as i said we'd been pretty much exclusive before that but it wasn't you know it'd be like i'm gonna break up with you and because we were young and stupid um but the first proper date we went on after that period of time was to go and see the wrestler in the cinema Mm -hmm. so that film's like really special to me and it's wonderful It's so good and so emotional and yeah, it's just a fantastic film. Um, and I, I fully expect Black Swan to be just as good. Oh, I honestly, I, I like it was one of those things. You know, when you sit down and watch a film, someone's like, "Oh, we're gonna watch this." I'm like, "Okay," and then you really don't fancy watching a film. That was me with the Black Swan and within five ten minutes i was just silent i i was wow it's just a it's it's a film that people have to experience it's really good i'm mm-hmm. not going to say anything about it i'm just just watch it um it's people the concept are probably is, you know, really confused as to why i brought up the wrestler 
but I put them in the same category of film. Like the me thing with is, Labyrinth and Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I should have explained that better. But like, I think they came out similar times. I've never seen Black Swan. Um, I know Black Swan is about like Natalie Portman's character having a bit of a mental breakdown or something. Like, it's almost yeah, like there's two um, of her. She's a ballerina and... Um like she's the kind of like working yourself to insanity type thing or yeah. she's already in, regardless <laughs> the I wrestler I need to it actually but it's really good the wrestler isn't anything like that <laughs> but it's great really really good <laughs> definitely watch it I will go and watch Black Swan and you should go watch the wrestler Callum I'll go watch the wrestler and we'll report um, back have you ever Hold seen on, I'll need to write that down yeah, go write it down. Have you ever seen um, Requiem for a Dream? No. Right, okay. So I have it on very good authority that that is an excellent film, very well acted. I have seen exactly 30 minutes of that film because okay. I can't I can't watch it. Oh. Like, I love hard-hitting emotional stuff and I love tragedies and i love all of that but it's the same reason i won't watch grave of the fireflies requiem for a dream i don't think from what i remember i don't think it shows you what happens at the end at the start right the way that grave of the fireflies does mm-hmm. but requiem for a dream is so well made uh it's about three characters um and i think they all end up on drugs but the it's like three separate stories of these three characters that they're all like know each other they're all kind of like interconnected um but there's this oppressive is the word i'd use oppressive atmosphere to that film like you know from the get-go that it's going to end badly and that is going to be horrible and it just feels awful like not in a bad way in the sense that oh it's a garbage film it's a fantastic film and it's really well acted and it's well directed and the cinematography is exceptional but i can't finish Mm. watching it because it just i just know it's horrible if you know what i mean the subject matter just oh and the way it's done it just hurts (laughs) it hurts to watch it um and for that reason like i would say that if you can cope with that kind of thing i can usually but for some reason right waiting for a dream I was watching it and I was like, I can't watch this. I can't watch this happen to these people. Um, and it's horrible. Um, in a good way, if you understand mm-hmm. what I mean. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's 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 like horrifying to, to witness, but it's like it's it's the because it's so well done, as opposed to mm. it's just horrifying. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, if you're in the mood for something like that, give it go, I guess. Um, moving on to happier pastures. I might pastures. give it a pass just in case. Yeah, mm. happier pastures hit me. Happier pastures. Um, the nineties rom com, and the early two thousands rom com. Uh, I went through a phase. My partner and I, where we decided that we were going to watch every single film on Netflix at the time. This was a good few years ago now, so there's probably less or more. I don't know. Every single film more that had Freddie Prince Jr. in it, because I love Freddie uh, okay. Prince Jr. <laughs> so okay. I well, the thing is, right? One of my favorite films is She's All That, 
um, and it's Rachel Lee Cook and Freddie Prince Jr. And it's like just a tacky, trashy rom com. Um, and it's about it's one of those ones from the nineties because there was a spate of them that were kind of sort of based on Shakespeare plays. Uh, okay. There was one based on Othello that had like I don't know if you've read Othello, but um, it's about this black guy. Uh, who is slowly kind of driven insane and told that his wife is cheating on him and he ends up killing his wife and mm. it's really really sad um and yeah. the thing is most of these rom-coms that are based on the shakespeare plays um i can't remember the one that's based on a midsummer night's dream but it had kirsten dunst in it but she's all that i think is taming of the shrew i'm not sure uh but most of them take this light-hearted approach you know Obviously, Othello is one of Shakespeare's tragedies, and that film is, uh, meh. <laughs> it's got guns in it, I'll put it that way. Um, it's a great film, though. Fantastic. Okay. Um, but yeah, she's all that. So, Rachel e. Cook, Freddie Prince Jr., and it's about his friends dare him to try and get the nerdy, artsy girl who's played by Rachel e. Cook to go to prom with him or something, or date him as a dare um and he does it but he ends up falling in love with her obviously um but it's just great <laughs> it's just one of those feel good 90s trashy rom-coms and yeah i guess there are problematic elements to it because there always are when you go back to the 90s um oh yes everything sitcoms rom-coms everything but i i love me a good rom-com. although actually i haven't actually seen that many rom-coms the only rom-com that i've really seen is i can't even know what it's called and it's some film about uh something to do with proposing on a on a leap year or something like that i don't know woman can propose on leap years or something somebody can tell me what it is i don't know what it is um but i've seen that okay have you seen kate that's Leopold? as far as my rom-coms go no Oh, okay, and Leopold. It's about uh, Leopold's this guy from the... I can't remember what famous guy is. I don't know even know if he's based on a famous lord guy. But he's this guy, right? And he goes forwards in time, right? He's this guy from, like, Regency era. Um, uh, yeah. And he goes forwards in time. And I can't remember her name, but she's in all these rom-coms. Um, and he falls in love with this woman called Kate... Uh, but the main reason Kate and Leopold is a great film is she gets him to star in an ad because she works at an ad agency place. Um, okay. And it's uh, Hugh Jackman plays Leopold. And it's okay, Hugh Jackman putting on an English accent, holding up <laughs> a tub of margarine, saying, fresh creamery butter. Is there anything more comforting? Uh, there's more than that. But it's, it's top notch, top notch. I love Hugh Jackman. I love Hugh Jackman as well. Like, uh, it doesn't matter what he's in. I'll watch it anyway. Oh, he's a performer, natural. Performer. Apart from, I still haven't watched. Um, I still haven't watched The Greatest Showman. I haven't seen that um, either, and that's like, I know for a fact I will love The Greatest Showman. That's right up your street. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I've loved like, Moulin Rouge, and it feels like it's that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't see Lame Is um, with him in it because I know I don't actually like Lame Is that much. I love Lame Is, but I hate that film. Um, I do not know whose idea it was to make these musicals 
where the gimmick is is that they're all singing live because I don't think there's anything wrong with a bit of production, you know, like auto-tune that because you're a bit flat. Do you know what I mean? Or, or yeah, being right, able okay. to professionally record the, the, the song because you want an album where the people sound great. You want to go and see a movie yeah. because they sound great. And I get that they're all pretty good singers, um, but I don't know, man. Like, singing live, really? I don't think that Do you know works what? in a it's, movie. It's the same as if they got Dwayne The Rock Johnson to just, quote-unquote, sing live for the Moana soundtrack. Yeah. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. I don't think it would work. Like, you need that little bit, a little bit of production and... Yeah, yeah, flavor. yeah. Like, just... I'm... Again, um, I've I've had many conversations with people, mostly musicians to be fair, about autotune and its use and overuse and whatever. As a tool, it is fantastic. It's super useful. It's great. It is useful. Like, if you've sung a song, like, spot on, but there's, like, one note that's just real out, changing that note's not a bad thing. Uh-uh. To uh-uh. save, like, a perfect performance. And I'm a firm believer in performance over the actual, like, frequencies that come out of your, well, your mouth. Like, if, if you've got that feeling behind the the the, the voice, but if yeah, something yeah. is way out, it's okay to just bring it in a bit. The thing is, like, people might think that's weird because when we're talking about music, I was talking about how... I like a lot of the raw performances that you get on old, old albums because they didn't have auto-tune back then. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that I don't think that you should have auto-tune. And I especially think in films where you're going to a film and you want like the suspension of disbelief, you know? You want to believe what's on that screen. And uh-huh. I think for me, if I hear a note that's off-key, I'm going to be sitting there going, that's terrible, oh my God. Do you know what I mean? The difference is, right... And I'm not saying they're bad singers or that it's terrible. I just do not think it has a place in movies. I go to see films to experience the film. Now, I go I go and, like, listen to music to listen to the musician perform and, like, sing and think, like, of that individual's thing. But I go to a movie to hear the story, and if that movie has songs and, like, singing in it, I accept that the songs and singing are part of that fantasy world this little little bubble of stuff that i'm witnessing as opposed to a thing on its own that i'm going out to appreciate um like brian mcgrath's music like i'm not i'm not going to watch a film just for the music Mm, no that's a lie but (laughs) you know what i mean Uh, because I did go to to see Bohemian Rhapsody just for oh no the music. no Cal because I hate these musician biopics stop it but um oh my god have you seen it no I refuse Claire Claire I'm Claire. not doing it you can't it's make so me so good you're more likely so to get good. me to go see Cats to be fair I really really want to see Cats I didn't see it in the cinema because nobody would go to the cinema with me to see Cats but. I want to go and so see Cats good. so badly. So I'm not going to watch Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't know. It's weird. I just don't like it. In fairness, I haven't seen the Elton John one, and I don't plan to. But 
Uh, do you know what? I didn't even fan. I didn't even want to go see it, but someone bought tickets, so I went to go see it. And ah, <laughs> uh, wow, it was great. I'm not going. I'm not seeing it. You can't make me. Um, but see what we're talking about. Auto shooting there. See on the opposite side of the spectrum from what I'm talking about with the Limbs film, because also Cats was done in that same style too. Just saying, but I want to see Cats because apparently it's a travesty, and I love a good travesty. Um, but mm. on the opposite end of the spectrum, I don't know if I mentioned this on a previous podcast. But um, the Beauty and the Beast remake, the live action remake of Beauty and the Beast with Emma Watson, uh-huh. her voice in that soundtrack is auto-tuned so much that it hurts. It's like there is no, no, like even smidgen. There's not, there's not a, even a tiny little bit of her original performance. Yeah. They've just produced it to hell. Um, and it's so upsetting because... You can hear the auto-tune in some of the other singers, right? But it's not as bad. It's not as bad. It's so noticeable with Emma Watson. And I think that's the issue with auto-tune. Unless you're T-Pain and you're doing it on purpose. Yeah, if you're going <laughs> for the effect of auto-tune, like, okay, like, share, come on, right? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. But that's just her signature like, thing, right? That's that's just the style. Um, auto-tune should be a tool that you you go to reach for if if something has gone wrong. But, like... This is like using it to just like, okay, we'll just bang some auto-tune on this and bish, bash, bosh, be great. But I bet you... You do. I bet you that Emma Watson is not a bad enough singer to require that much auto-tune. And if she was, why did they choose her to play Belle? Why didn't they just get somebody else to sing her parts? Do you know what I mean? I I just Uh don't get it. Like, because she just sounds so out of place. Um, and I spent the entire film going, this auto-tune is so bad. Oh my God, this auto-tune is so bad. Um, but yeah, I think there's a balance to be had. And I think mm-hmm. Moulin Rouge hits that perfectly if we're talking about musical movies. I love Moulin oh, Rouge. Oh yes, Such I love a Moulin Rouge. Um, I, I talked we about talked that in a previous much... podcast. Yeah, yeah. because I was talking about how much like the first time I watched it, I didn't really like it. And then I watched it again and it was just... Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's probably one magical. of my favourite. It's my favourite one of those films. One of those. I mean, we haven't seen Greatest Showman yet. We should do that. We should do that online. I haven't seen Greatest Showman yet, but... We should do that on um, Tinternet. We should do a watch along with each other and then well, we should we'll report back. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Good plan. Mm. Okay, so one film I want to talk about. Okay. Because um, I'll, get, I'll give you some context here. So... I went up to to visit my dad, and Neve is up. So they started watching this film, and they got through ten minutes of it. Okay. And then, as soon as I came in the door, they were like, "Oh, we were watching this film. We got through ten minutes of it. Like, we challenge you to watch the whole film." Now, obviously, <laughs> I accepted this challenge, and I was like, "Right, if you stick it on, I will watch through this entire film." This film is called Atticus McLaren. Murder at the Museum. Okay. I'm Googling this right it's now. A, yeah, okay. I'm going to Google it as well just to make sure I get my facts right. Murder um, at the Museum, did you say? Yep, yeah, Murder at the Museum. Or is it Mystery at the Museum? Hold on. Uh, museum. So, Murder at the Museum. Murder at the Museum. So this film... It's based on a book. It is based on a book, yes. So... Basically, 
and I don't care about spoiling this. So if you if you desperately want to go see Adam McLaren murder at the museum, um, skip this. It's only fifty six minutes long. It's not even an hour. Oh my god! Okay, it feels it feels that way. <laughs> it feels way longer. It's on Amazon so, Prime, I think. I don't it know if it's on, on Prime, Prime UK, but yeah, yeah. Okay, I've so got Amazon Prime. I'll the film starts. Show. The film starts, and um, you should. The film starts, and I go, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, you just couldn't get it because it's like from two thousand and four or something. Like that's you know that's how it looks. It looks, and it was like, no, 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 no. This was released last year. I was like, oh, okay. So. It's basically this museum worker, okay. Atticus. His name's Atticus, um, and he's autistic. Oh no! The whole point, but they don't explain. They that doesn't get explained at any point whatsoever until like halfway through the film. I just assumed it was just really bad acting. Okay. Um, I I don't know if the actor's autistic. I have no idea. But the entire premise is that this guy Atticus solves this weird murder mystery at the museum he works um, and I can only assume it's because he's autistic and that's the film okay what uh... the film is shot in a style of like a high school media studies class film um, and I only know that because I I was in media studies when I was in secondary school, and the films that came out of that class looked very similar to this film. Wow! I mean, quality wise. How is that um, on Amazon so, uh, Prime movies? Let's face it, anything is on Amazon Prime movies. <laughs> Don't get what? anything on there. But if if anyone's actually like, curious, just go watch like a trailer or something, right. and you, you'll see what I mean. Um, uh, we'll we'll do this. We should we should look at this after because it's really it, okay. You'll understand. There's one guy so, who I'm like, aha, he's my spirit animal. <laughs> but um, other than that, oh man, it's garbage. So um, it's just garbage. There's a film that I'm gonna challenge you to watch all of. Okay. I don't know where you can watch it. It's the only problem. But when I lived in the flat with my partner. We used to go mm-hmm. to, I think we, I told this before, but we used to go to like Tesco's or FOP in Glasgow and we'd pick up like a couple of DVDs and we'd just watch them. That was like what we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang out in the flat, watch some DVDs because this was before Netflix. Uh, it was before Amazon Prime Movies. It was before all that stuff. Um, So we just just pick up DVDs. Uh, I watched a lot of great films doing that. Um, Itamama Tambien, Om Shanti Om, bunch of other ones. <laughs> There's this film, uh, and it's part of a, a film movement called Mumblecore. Um, okay. I think it was on like a £15,000 budget, and it's called The Puffy Chair. The Puffy Chair. The Puffy Chair. Um, and I don't know if it was well received. Oh, it got 77% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, that's pretty all right. Uh, I hate that film. Nothing okay. happens in it. It's just these people. <laughs> the film concerns. I'm just reading the plot out for you uh, to save me having to okay. explain. The film concerns the relationships between men, women, brothers, mothers, fathers, and friends. The protagonist discovers on eBay a replica of a lounge chair that was used by his father long ago. The resulting road trip to pick up and deliver the chair as a birthday present for the father in Atlanta 
takes interesting twists. It's 85 minutes long. We watched about maybe 45 minutes an hour. Nothing happened. They were just driving in a car with a chair. Like... Okay, I'll watch this. I'll watch this and, film. And, and, if you watch Atticus McLaren Murder I'll Museum, I will watch this film. I'll watch it. Um, the thing is, though, it was like me and Stuart and one of our good friends, Fiona Whitelaw, who actually moved to New Zealand a few years back. But uh, she was there in the flat with us watching this film and me and her were just like, switch this off. Oh my God, we can't cope. <laughs> but I think, I don't know what mumblecore is. I just know that it's a thing. Uh, it's a subgenre of independent film characterized by naturalistic acting and dialogue, sometimes improvised, low budget film production, an emphasis on dialogue over plot. There you go. And a focus on the personal relationships of people in their 20s and 30s. So basically, it's just about an actual road trip, but it's really boring because nothing happens in it. It's just these people talking in a car on a road trip about very little. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, but I suppose if you went into it and you were into mumblecore and you were like, oh, there's this new mumblecore film we're going to watch, then yeah, sure. Like, I get it. Maybe that's what you're looking for and you enjoy that. Cool. As I said, I think all art has value to an extent. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, if somebody gets something from that film, cool. I got nothing. I couldn't finish it. I couldn't watch it. It's not what this I watch is where movies I love for. it and yeah and rave about it and you and Stuart are just like, I'm like yeah, oh it's the best see? film I've ever seen it's the just like changed chair. my opinion on the world yeah yeah I hope so I hope so genuinely hope so um but yeah with that out of 10 what is it called again <laughs> it's called um Neroli Gin Neroli Gin from that boutique gin company out of 10 I'm giving this an 8 I really enjoyed it. I really did. Um, and I was I was sitting there like two minutes ago just thinking, oh, man, I'm really feeling this. I know. And then um, I looked at the bottle, it's 46%. That's like, why. I was like, okay, that makes sense. It's really I mean, you know, nice. I've had a beer though. as well, so I'm like, oh. <laughs> but it, that is very drinkable. I really like this gin. Um, I would give it about a 7.5. The thing is, I really like it. But I drink a lot of gin, and there's See, so many. Gin. Yeah, I love gin. There's so many gins I would put above it. Um, but it's still like a good solid gin. I would highly recommend it because uh, I think it's only about thirty quid a bottle, which isn't that bad. Um, we didn't buy the full bottle; we only bought samples. But uh, I may actually little... buy myself a bottle of that. I might buy myself a bottle of this, and I don't drink gin. <laughs> you drink Harris gin. I drink Harris gin. I really like Harris, Harris gin. Harris gin's beautiful. Like, just nice. Um, we'll maybe drink that another um, episode. Even though we already know we like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's an excuse. Yes. Um, it's it's a perfect excuse. We're doing it for we're doing it for the podcast. I have to drink I it. I have to drink it. I have to buy myself yeah. another bottle. Yeah. Um, but with that, good night, guys. Thank you for listening. Good night, everyone. Thank At you. Oh, um, on Twitter. Yep, you've got you've got the before me. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, At Callum Blaine on Twitter and everywhere, Instagram and all the other things. You can also follow my new Instagram, Noodle Blaine. Um, 
there's nothing on it yet, but it will be. It's my new home for all my musical noodles that I will it's post. It's a home for his wonderful masterpieces that he makes because Callum is so, so talented. Oh my god! And that's not me being sarcastic. It's the truth. No, it's you talking. You you talk nonsense. No, I'm not. Anyway. Utter nonsense. <laughs> anyway. Good night, everyone. Good night. Watch a movie and uh, enjoy. Let us know what your favorite movie is. Bye. Kabloof. Kabloof.